0: It's two thousand nineteen this is the first mind rolling podcast for the year and I just I've been thinking a lot about hippies. Don't ask me why I don't know, but I've been thinking about hippies. I think I've been thinking about it because of the uh, the wonderful credo that hippies and i was one of them i am one of them and uh a lot of the hippie credo or the hippie philosophy has been thrown in the garbage because people feel like the self-indulgent indulgent flower people who eventually just got into drugs and nothing of any consequence came out of that which i think is absolutely wrong and i think that yeah, many people did uh do look back baby boomers look back on that period and go yeah that was some fun that i had back then but the real world hit so you know i don't put much stock in any of what we went through back then but i beg to differ and uh it's all encompassed actually in this one great song that Elvis Costello is uh, famous for called What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, and it was written by Nick Lowe, another great British rock guy, Uh, and I have to say, if ever we needed, this is my new year's message, okay, if ever we needed a slogan that has, is full of uh, what's necessary in my mind to counter the uh, gross uh, narcissism in our, not only at the top with you-know-who, but, uh, but all through society, uh, just with the, the, you know, horrific Polarization that's going on in this country. So, we need a good dose of peace, love, and understanding. And understanding is uh, primary amongst those three words. It's something we all have a lot of trouble with, with our fellow humans. So, that's my big New Year's resolution more love, more peace, and more understanding. And to that end, uh, I did a podcast with an old friend of mine, Michael Jadu Daner. And um, before I get to it, though, I want to thank everybody who has uh, supported the podcast, Mind Rolling Podcast. And by the way, you can help a little bit more. This isn't something I emphasize, emphasize very much. But certainly going up and making sure that you are subscribed on iTunes particularly and leaving some nice little uh, you know, comments about what you feel about the podcast would be great. But do, I do thank everybody for the support, uh, which has uh, ramped up over the years. And, you know, we have quite a nice audience. And I do thank you. And I thank everybody at the Be Here Now Network, who the support team that enables all of this to happen, not just for me, but for all of our podcasters on the network. Uh, particularly, of course, I want to thank Kelly Rigo and J.R. Morton and Corey Leonard because they are uh, intrinsic to getting these podcasts out and, and uh, getting everybody linked up to all sorts of different information, books, websites, et cetera. So thank you guys. Uh, okay. Onward to the, so uh, Jadu and I did a, a I think it's, it's almost two years ago, maybe a year and a half. Ago, no, it's two years ago that we did a podcast on the hippie trail, which is another reason why I was thinking about hippies and my little New Year's message. Uh, But the hippie trail uh, was basically a trail that people followed through Europe to India, to the east. And uh, that trail was trod upon by both uh, seekers and smugglers, people who went over there and would do these big scams where they'd get buy a bunch of hash and ship it back to America and Canada. And uh, so uh, Jadu, he embodies the latter because he's, well, he's an interesting guy because not only did he do that, but he was also very much into the seeker part. Uh, But first he tried out the smuggler part, which uh, he has some wild stories. And one of them he tells in this podcast, it's really cool, uh, that happened in Delhi. And um so the the interesting thing is, and then there was people like me and Krishna Das who followed Ram Das over, uh and never ever got involved in uh in the hash scene in India back then. Uh and I never went to Kulu, I never went to Goa, which were the two major uh, party pa- places uh, in India for hippies to go to. So there was an interesting uh, dichotomy between people who went for these two very, very different uh, reasons, and we're going to talk about that in the, in the podcast. We did talk about it. And uh, again, there's a sort of very adventurous spirit that both of these uh, kinds of people had to go over Uh, to India like that, and uh, go through what many people went through. I mean, we used to go through Afghanistan and uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkey, uh, you know, some places that you could not go to today, you know, it was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, I just keep thinking about, I mean, I denigrate hippies myself. I mean, I, I will, like I'm working with somebody and I'll, I'll go and they'll tell me somebody did something that wasn't quite done properly. And I go, oh, God hippies, what kind of hippies can't work responsibly? And they, so I do it. So there's a big uh, denigration um, uh, common ground for many people, for a lot of people uh, of what that term conjures up. And I want to change it because it's, uh, I, we need that now we need some flower power. Okay. Now I'm a real hippie. All right. Well, listen to this podcast though. It's pretty great with Michael Jadu Daner. And, um, uh, Again, thanks to everybody for all the support for mind rolling for the be here now network um, before I get off i i also I cannot forget to thank uh our main sponsor last year, fourteen forty who who's as I've said many times, we have uh terrifically aligned values and the kinds of things we want to do and share the uh information and uh, the teachings from many different people that can really help on a day-to-day basis uh and coming up is is dr Shafali tzabari who i had on a podcast and definitely listened to that she's an expert in conscious parenting and mindfulness and she's running a an immersive workshop on mindfulness uh, january 18th through 21 so it's coming up real soon here and uh she is uh, just one of the most terrific human beings that I had the pleasure to do a podcast with. She absolutely, embody, I mean, she has the, uh, the depth that only can come from the Deccan, the Indian subcontinent. <laughs> she has a tremendous depth, and yet she is very modern, as she has spent so much time here in the West. So it's quite a combination, and very, very wise, uh, beautiful uh, woman, and I would highly suggest you take a shot and go down and do that workshop on January 18th at 1440 Multiversity. Go to 1440.org, and you'll find out all about uh, Dr. Shefali, as well as uh, other workshops that are being run then. So Big call-out and big thank you to 1440 for all of their support. Now, here we go. Hippie Trail Part two. with Michael Jadu Dainer on Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network. Bye-bye. Here we are back. I'm Raghu, and I'm back with like an oldie but goodie friend. Oh, thank you. Jadu. <laughs> michael daner welcome
2: <laughs> thanks ragu thank you very you're, much
0: you're going to help me bring in the the new year here and we're great gonna, yeah we may even you know chant some slogans and shit you know to bring in the...
2: <laughs> well i i i'm not sure if i'm I, it was a compliment but you said after all the heavy stuff you wanted to have bring me in so that <laughs> i was now you said for some fun so uh, <laughs> yeah no
0: well well part of it now everybody out there we've uh this is, we're going to call it the Hippie Trail Part Deux, because uh, Jadu was here, it's quite some time ago, a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and we did a podcast, and uh, he has an extraordinary story, which will be coming to a movie near you. Soon. (laughs) Soon being relative,
2: right? (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Still in process, but uh, further along, let's put it that way.
0: So we just, I just thought, yeah, we've been doing all this mindfulness stuff for for quite some time, really harping on how the hell do we get out of the jaws of this self-interest day to day? It's terrible. Uh, So we've been doing that. So I thought, and I know uh, Jadu's got some, you know, a plethora of wonderful stories uh, along you. the hippie trail but then it struck me hippie hippie okay I denigrate hip by the way I didn't, I I denigrate hippies and I'm I'm like you know I'm the I'm a champion but at the same time I'm doing I say things like yeah I don't know if we can hire that hippie kind of you know dope fiend uh I, <laughs> Hippy dippy, hippie dippy. <laughs> so there's a lot of derogative stuff around that, and we want to talk right. about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but there, uh, what rings for me, and I don't remember if we did this last time. I've done it before. I have quoted this uh, most well-known song, one of the most well-known, biggest hits of Elvis Costello. And it was actually written by Nick Lowe, fabulous songwriter, musician. Right. And... Uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? And boy, that kind of rings so way true now, and that's going to be the theme of next year, as far as I'm concerned, and that'll set set our uh, intention uh, for New Year's. (laughs) Happy New Year. And uh, so I thought we would just, I mean, and you said to me, Gee, I bet a lot of people have no idea what what the hippie trail is. Well, oh yeah, people mostly only refer to hippies in a, as I did. You know, it's a it's it's a uh, a bit of a it's always a slam. Like going on. Or, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. slam
2: on you wastrel. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because hipster also can have a po- a negative. Connotation as well, uh, although not as firmly established. But you know, everybody talks about the Brooklyn hipsters with the big beards and yeah. But the, the hippie, uh, there's so much of a legacy of the hippie movement that I think people don't even recognize what what life was like before the hippie movement mm. because mm. it was just such a transformative experience where basically we were living in a cookie cutter culture and. The, the combination of this giant baby boom generation getting turned on and coming to, sort of to blast apart the norms of society and take everything from being that cookie cutter more into an individual. Wow. Uh, I just remember growing up, every kid on my block, they all had, there were six names, every kid was named the same. Every family wanted to be the same as their next door neighbor. And then this hippie generation came along and it blew all that apart. It was a totally nonconformist, uh, experience. And the thing was, it's not, it's not like it was the first, uh, thing of that sort of that nature so there were the Beatniks were before the hippies. And before that there were other Bohemians, etc. etc. But the, the but the hippie generation, there were just so many people and the economy was so good. And you could live for a couple thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just changed everything.
0: But don't you remember, I mean, or here's what I remember. You talked about all the cookie cutter houses and everybody wanted to be like their neighbor. And that was, you know, the society was just, I was like pissed. What is this? I couldn't <laughs> grasp it. It was like, I, and I fought it tooth and nail. You know all the way uh, all of the conformist stuff from our religion to school
2: right. and all of that you know just it was but when did you start fighting it I, after I, you got well, tur- after you got turned on basically no or
0: before? no way before way before because it took me a while to find some pot it's it's, (laughs) i was like i don't know 19 or something you know at that time i was in i was in montreal okay it was harder to find event probably if i had looked for a little bit of hash down yeah yeah Yeah. that would be easy to find yeah yeah right but i didn't (laughs) and so i was just mostly angry when i say I, i i fought it tooth and nail i was like angry and then i heard bob dylan Okay, And that changed it. There was somebody, okay, expressing what it was. What the fuck is going on here? And so that turned me on so powerfully. And music, I, you know, I love music yeah. as well. Well,
2: that, that was another uh, hallmark of that whole... I mean, it was the time. It, there was such a ferment in that time. And I don't know when you're talking about, when you say you're 19 years old or something, that was... Uh, 1928.
0: When? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck uh 20 you know so we are all it's going into the late 60s right so
2: mid late uh, 60s basically. because because that that as i was doing a little uh investigation a little homework let's say uh i realized that there was sort of a division in the '60s, in San Francisco, really, where the where the hippie movement started. I mean, there was a thing happening in New York, but it really it really took root in San Francisco. And the people who were there before the Summer of Love, before '67, say say like the Merry Pranksters, Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters, Wavy Gravy, those people. Those were re- the diggers. which we probably should explain who the diggers were, but they were really, they were like the real hippies, you know, and then it sort of went mainstream and it got to the media in the summer of love. And then you had tens of thousands of people descending upon San Francisco and it sort of started to become a fashion, uh, statement as well as well
0: it, i as i was it, one of those people
2: yes <laughs> and
0: and i did come after the summer of love and uh-huh. it started to get a little raunchy and yeah it's uh, partly uh, so many different factors you know drugs being a large part too that that was they started to be a problem because people started doing hard drugs not just soft not psychedelics exactly. only, and that that was a big thing but you know i want to there, just to get there's our my very good friend and you know as well Danny Goldberg. Um, he has this. It's just a one paragraph thing that says it's fabulous. it all. <laughs> it says it's not, it all okay? exactly. Danny.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, the hippies were heirs to a long line of bohemians that included William Blake. That's a long, long line. Walt Whitman, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Henry David Thoreau, Hermann Hesse, Arthur Rimbaud, Oscar Wilde, Aldous Huxley, and utopian movements like the Rosicrucians and the Theosophists, and most directly the Beatniks. Hippies emerged from a society that had produced birth control pills, a counterproductive war in Vietnam, the liberation and idealism of the civil rights movement, feminism, homosexual rights, FM radio, mass-produced LST, a strong economy, and a huge number of baby boom teenagers. These elements allowed the hippies to have a mainstream impact that dwarfed that of the beats and earlier avant-garde cultures and and it's a, it's from a thing called In Defense of Hippies by Danny <laughs> Dangooper. No, that 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 uh, was uh,
2: so well written yeah. and it does encapsulate the only thing I would say that is is missing in there is the uh, what came through the black culture uh cuz a lot I mean even the word hip uh, and hep yeah uh, I, they were first used as black slang in the early 1900s. Right. You know so, and then that, that it went through uh, a variety between hip and hipster, hep, hepcat, <laughs> and all that. So ultimately, it became hippie as sort of like the younger beatniks, more or less. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, but- my, my own personal contact with it when I went out, the things that I remember are, of course, freedom. Wow. We got yeah. a whole gang here and we can be free and we don't have to, you know, follow the man, as we called yeah. it. And that was a great thing. And then there was a lot of love, a lot of love. Yeah. And, of course, it was, yeah. there was a lot of sexual experimentation and all of that. That kind of freedom was there as well. And, of course, the psychedelics. I mean, that's, yeah. that was the I most powerful force. Wait. Yeah, And so yeah. that whole mix for me opened up. The the knowing, uh, like a deep knowing, there is something else here. Something's that, happening yeah, here. Yeah, but you don't just don't know it is, <laughs> do you?
2: Dylan's <laughs> said had a song and a phrase for every situation. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. So, um, but what
0: what really uh, I mean, what has happened? That as we talked about in the very beginning, the denigration of the what hippie stands for i mean and and as i said i do it myself so it's got there there definitely are are stuff that comes out of it that the the denigration is kind of correct (laughs) you know what i mean that's another hippie move okay great you know but on the other side we the the what's so funny about love peace 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 love and understanding what you know what yeah, exactly becomes it's so not cynical. such a bad message yeah and that message and and so many people have have let it go or in many cases especially with people who have followed a spiritual path they have transformed that into a, um cultivating compassion cultivate uh, cultivating uh awareness Uh, awareness and mindfulness and and these kinds of
2: things so uh, cultivating peace well cultivating love right off the bat that is one of the most enduring legacies and i could name 10 more at least but the interest in meditation call it eastern spirituality i mean yoga all that i mean you know that the that the people who are kind of the acknowledged spiritual uh, elders, let's say, of American Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, they pretty much all were on the hippie trail. They pretty much all went through that same experience. And, and, and I, you can't leave out the psychedelics, too. I mean, that, that's not in the same category as legacy, etc. But it was so formative in turning these people on. So I think people's minds were changed and my, people's minds were blown and they were opened up. I know that the first time I smoked, I, it was ha- happened to be hashed. I saw myself for the first time. I mean, I realized yeah. myself in the environment. You know, it just it was it was a wake up experience and yeah. it, it just changed my life right then and there.
0: Yeah, that that right there is huge, actually. It gives yeah. you an idea. Wow. Okay, there is an awareness that's not attached <laughs> to this goofball mind, thought, emotive, like grabby desire trip that I'm on on a on a constant basis. So mine and I'm
2: not necessarily the center of the universe. There's other people's universe. You know, other people exist. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah really. <laughs>
2: Oh my yeah. God, isn't I wasn't that something? Quite sure. Yeah,
0: and they're not all just objects. So okay, I got to get this, that, or the other. Right,
2: that. right. Got to get over. Yeah. Uh,
0: my yeah. my first indication of anything was Allen Ginsberg, though. He to, he's an upa guru, absolutely. Yeah. When he said, "Pot is fantastic. It opens up your mind," I was like, I totally believed him a hundred percent, and then I went on my journey from there. It took a while, but I got
2: well. Well, he's one of those people, by the way, who has transcended the different, you know, the beatnik and the hippie. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. he you is know, absolutely
0: certain. that. Him, Wavy, and Ram well. Yeah,
2: yeah. Ramdas, Ram Ram Wavy. There's certain yeah. people, you know, that weren't necessarily, because I, I was talking to Diane last night and she's saying, I don't think I caught the hippie thing. And I said, you know, there was sort of like an age thing. If you were six months too old, it almost seemed like people who were a little older in okay. general.
0: Yeah, but that, in that perspective. But from another perspective, um, like I was in India just recently, and huh. there was a bunch of Westerners, and many of them were young in their 20s and 30s. And most of them were hippies. Okay, they were absolutely no different. They went to the East, they got the psychedelic to be here now, the whole nine yards, and they went to the East. And they were like, you know, not wanting to do anything. Like, okay, we got to go now. So you got to be down at the car at nine o'clock, but nobody be there, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Complete hippies. They were Today, hippies. Yeah, they were they were living living the dream. They are yeah. living the dream. Uh, yeah. So, then, so I I really do feel strongly that we've uh, would have thrown out the baby with the bathwater. With water? the bathwater. Yeah. With this for so many people, and so and the, what really bugs me is all these people. Like my generation, our generation, and and the way that they Who treat were. their children, <laughs> and right. and they're so, oh my God, they're liars. stuff. they even you know, <laughs> right? Oh my God, and uh, and I know every somebody out. Is there anybody out there that you're going to get mad because we're talking in such high uh, praise terms about? <laughs> uh our drug experiences uh and this is uh unfortunately that is it is a strong way to connect and they're doing all this wonderful experiment experimentations with psychedelics today and so that that shows how effective they can be with people with ptsd people that are dying people with high anxiety uh uh, all of it, addiction
2: did you did you uh Use use LSD and let's say psychedelics as a uh, sacred uh, ex- experience, or did you do it as a party?
0: Mostly sacred. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't. That's not a,
2: that, I wouldn't go that far. That would be presumptuous. Yeah. Uh, well, it, I, personally, I always use thought of it as an exploration. You, you know, yeah, that's what right. a yeah, no, trip. That's what a trip was. To yeah,
0: me. yeah. Well, you know, I just did a thing with Ramdas uh, podcast. Uh, no, actually, it was an interview from um, a magazine that wanted his take on what's going on with psychedelics today, and ah, he gave. And he was totally. It is a door opener. Period. Yeah. To the spiritual path. That's it. Right. Yeah, he's always said yeah. that, and he says it now. Anyhow, yeah. but uh, in this uh, thing, he talked about set and setting. Right, that Leary and Alper used to talk about, and and Metzler Same. all the way. You know what? I didn't know what set was. I had it all. I setting was like, okay, you got your room, you put your nice things there. You might have the right music. You set up the people and the. But I really never knew what set is. Do you know what set is?
2: No. What do you call, what are you calling set? You mean what's the setting interpretation? interpretation? Like setting. That's it. You did know. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. I always. Hey listen, I was I always had one thing that I was kind of hoping for, looking for and that was a true religious experience. Mm-hmm. And it took me I mean it didn't happen until I was in Goa, you know, I don't know 15 years later mm-hmm. uh, thanks to the brotherhood and or the spot or the set, you know, the <laughs> setting. I don't know it was the right right place at the right time no. and that, and that was uh, years later after a lot of experimentation. Yeah.
0: He said, "Your intention, the set, your intention should be to experience love and consciousness." I said, "You mean satcita He said, "No, <laughs> love and consciousness." <laughs> what well, about the bliss? Yeah. Um. So now, hippie trail. Okay. Now we we need to know a little bit about what the hippie trail is in a in a okay. in a couple of sentences
2: well well the hippie trail first of all just it seems rather hard to believe but in 1970 you could drive from amsterdam to Nepal i mean uh. and not only could you drive from amsterdam to Nepal but there were uh, you only needed a couple thousand dollars to live for a year in asia if you went but but is a step back. Uh, what happened was people got turned on basically by psychedelics and they wanted to find out where did, who knows about this? Where did this come? What's happening here? Who knows more about this? And they started looking for gurus in India. And that was one, uh, I, I've written a treatment for a TV series. It's called Seekers and Smugglers. To me, there were basically seekers, there were smugglers, and there were adventurers. And and all of us were a mixture of them all, but that was kind of, as I saw it, the main strain. And people sort of, that's, I started talking earlier about San Francisco. After 67, there was so much media coverage and Haight Asbury kind of deteriorated in a way and people hit the road. They went to live in communes. They, they rode hippie buses around America and a certain percentage decided to go to India to, to find what I was just mentioning. And it didn't hurt that it got announced in the, in the newspaper that the Beatles went, uh, to see, uh, gurus in India. Uh, the Maharishi, and uh, soon it was not just hippies from America going, but there was hundreds of thousands of people made their way to India, and so the hippie trail was also known as the hashish trail. Started in Europe, but the real jump-off point was in Istanbul. The pudding shop in Istanbul was a place where people arranged rides hooked up, you know, people didn't even know each other. They jumped in somebody's van, but people didn't just go by vans. People went by public transportation, people hitchhiked, people went, I know people who went in motorcycles. You could take a, a bus from London, a double decker bus from London for a hundred pounds and go to India. Mm. I mean, it was, uh, it was not in the days of the beats It was a trickle of people like Ginsburg went to India. But in this time period, it was a torrent. It was a flood of people were on the road and they were all going to India. Uh, And the first stop after the pudding shop, which was in Turkey, then you cross the Bosphorus. You're in Asia. You go through uh, Turkey. You go to Iran and then you hit Afghanistan. So when you hit Afghanistan, it was like going back to the 14th century. Mm-hmm. It, literally, it was tribal. It was just like, it was what I had been looking for all my life you know, in terms of uh, anthropological exploration. Mm-hmm. And then you made your way uh, through Herat and Kandahar and you got to Kabul. And it was like, oh, my God, this is the bar scene in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got every kind of, uh, oh, I forgot. There was one other stream. It was runaways and desperados who were escaping from things. So Kabul had hosted people who were like fascists from Italy. The, yeah. You know, it, it, they had a tradition. Anybody could come there. It was really like Deadwood, you know, Deadwood. It, 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 there was basically yeah. no law. And then if you got outside of Kabul, there really was no law. I mean, and it was dangerous. So you did not want to be outside a city at nighttime or anything like that. So uh, I found myself on the hippie trail for the second time in 1970 with my wife-to-be, who was lovely Sally, who I hooked up with in London coming back the first time I went with my friends. My friends had invited me to go on the hippie trail. They were more on the smuggler side of things. And they, but they introduced me to the whole route, the way. And turns out they brought back a van full of hashish that was the worst kept secret in smuggling history. Every person in Philadelphia was walking around saying, oh, when's the Land Rover coming back? <laughs> when's the Land Rover coming back? So anyway, they got they got busted and I tried to help them out. And by doing that, I got implicated in the conspiracy. And so uh, I became a fugitive. So, and I bumped into my friends after they got arrested and let out. And they said, your name has come up. And my name could have only come up from them, but at least they were nice enough to tell me. And they said, if I were you, I would get out of town. So I asked Sally if she'd like to go with me. And a couple weeks, I had a going-out-of-existence sale. She took all her money out of the bank. Two weeks later, we were in Amsterdam shopping for a van. That's a wild so girl. We... That's how, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> She's, go she off was with perfect fugitive? lady Jesus. for the ride. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and man. we're still together. Bonnie to... <laughs> and Clyde, yeah, and you're still together. <laughs> uh, and so we went to Amsterdam. We bought an old Mercedes minibus. I bought it from a guy who had already driven it to Afghanistan and brought it back. And I, uh, bought that and had a false floor put in typical hippie bus. And we drove to, uh, Afghanistan. And the idea was to load the floor, drive on to India and ship it back. Well, you know, uh, when life happens making up while you're making the other plans and we ended up in, uh, Kabul and the borders were closed because of the second war between India and Pakistan. So we thought we were gonna be there for two weeks and we were there for almost five and a half months. But then fast
0: forward because the the next part I think we, we talked we you, you told through, that right. story uh in the yeah. in the other segment. If you guys can you can all find the hippie trails right. part one. Um and yeah, so fast forward to it actually being in India and so what happened there.
2: So, so what happened was we were just ha- what happened to get us to India was that while we were in Kabul and we realized I was wanted and that we were running out of money. And I bumped into the hog farm commune guys who had a false bottom suitcase factory and I learned to craft. Mm-hmm. So that's what sort of sustained me while I was waiting to come back for my van. So I went on uh, to go, and that was in the last episode, and we went back with some suitcases, basically, to the to, the, to Canada. Uh, and then we pick up, this is where the second uh, episode begins. So we are now together again back in uh, Kashmir, which is, Possibly one of the most verdant, beautiful, incredible places Mm. up in the mountains. Just have you ever been? I have not. No. Okay. Well, it was paradise, which of course has been spoiled by war since then. But we were up there and it was a watery paradise, basically, all interconnected lakes connected Mm. by canals. So everything came by, Uh, the post office came by on a boat, you know, lotus fields you could row out to and just eat the lotus seeds. They literally had floating gardens. They would cut the vegetation up from the bottom and throw dirt on it and grow vegetables and tow it behind their boats. It was just Uh. a fabulous place. So we were there for the summer and it started to get cold. So we decided we were going to go down to Delhi And we had brought back a bunch of suitcases. So we were prepared with the suitcases. Uh, We didn't have any uh, product. So uh, at that point, we were living on houseboat aeroplane with Lala. And Lala hadn't mentioned anything at all until we were at this point. He turned to me and said, Mr. Michael, you're going to be wanting to take some hashish with you, aren't you? And I said, yeah, Lala, of course. <laughs> and, and he proceeded to, per- to purchase like the best uh, Kashmiri hash unmixed with mustard oil. And, uh, but we went to Delhi, to Vasant Vihar, which is the diplomatic colony, rented a really nice house because we needed a place to do our work and uh, arranged for Lala to come down a few different times because his nephew uh, was in the jam. He was in the Kashmir Police Band, so it was the police band bus would come down. <laughs> He'd have his duffel bag. Whenever they came to a customs thing, he would walk around the customs and then meet the bus a- afterwards yeah. on the other side. And he started uh, coming down to Delhi. But to explain this story, I have to just explain a little bit about making false bottom suitcases or else this won't make sense. And the fact is you need to have a a press because you take the hash, which is kind of in raw form, and to put it in the suitcases, you have to flatten it out. So when I went to Delhi, I had to have a little press or mold made up, which is basically like a metal box that the top slides down into and you jack it that into the bottom and then you've got flattened out nice hash that you can then use. So to get that, I took a, a taxi to, you know, one of the bazaars and asked the taxi driver uh, where could, uh, you know, where's some metal work? I can get some metal work done. I have to, I'm having some dupe pressed. Some incense pressed. <sighs> I had to have a story, so um, I went and did that. We had we got a beautiful house. I had even had a workroom with a table, an extra long table I had made, and in the closet were lined up the other part of the hash uh, suitcase making, which was the molds. So you have to have a fiberglass mold that you make of the outside of the suitcase, you have that flattened hash I described, and then you take that mold and you put take out the lining, put the hash in, then you put that mold in and you make it invisible, put the lining back in. By the way,
0: everybody, I do have to just say, you can't do (laughs) this anymore. Yeah, disclaimer. You can't do this uh, for about a billion reasons. Probably the top reason is... It's becoming legal
2: everywhere, so they don't need you. you Exactly, exactly. That's why we got to get to this fast. Okay, so uh, the reason why I explain this will become apparent. So we're in our house, and we decide, Robert and Sally and I, Robert was our partner, and we go into uh, this center of Delhi uh, to Kanat Circus, this very center. We get out of the car. And two guys walk up to us and say, Mr. Michael, we're from the CID. And how is your press, by the way? Just to let me know that they knew at least that much. And, you, you know, all taxi drivers are named Mr. Singh. So at that point, we, in, we say Mr. Singh sang, obviously. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah. He, Turned us in for probably mm-hmm. a little something or other. And so at they take us to the police station. And Robert and Sally are like, you know, to say they're besides themselves. As a matter of fact, Robert's sitting in a chair, like lying back like this in distress, in extremist distress. And the guy says, You want to see my lie detector? And he goes over and pushes his hand on his chest, like to feel his heartbeat. He says, That's my life. (laughs) And then they say, "Uh, Okay, Mr. Michael, we're going to leave them here. You come with us out to the house. Okay, now uh, I've got like maybe eight or 10 suitcases. You know, Lala's been bringing the product. They come out to the house. We open the door. We walk in. And I've got little piles of personal use hashish lying around. But they're looking for mountains. You know, they think they've got Mr. Big. And so so they walk. They walk. And they're walking past the living room. And we have this game that was a very period game called Dealer McDope. So it was like (laughs) a Monopoly game. But a Dealer Monopoly game. And they see all this money. Like, but it's monopoly money, but they think it's real money. And I said, No, no, that's that's a game, that's a game, that's a game. So then we walk into my workroom, and as on the table is a suitcase with the lining out of the suitcase. And the guys look at me, they look at the suitcase, and they he sends his assistant into the closet. In the closet are all these shelves with the molds of the outside of the suitcase. He takes one of those, walks over, and puts it into the suitcase. He says, Mr. Michael, what is that? What is this? I say, you see those fiberglass molds? These suitcases are normally weak. I take those molds, I put them into the suitcases, and I make them really strong. So the part of the story I left out is that the night before, the afternoon before, Lala came to the door, knocks on the door. Normally, he has white, gray hair. He knocks on the door. There he is with his hair dyed black. And he says, Mr. Michael, after I left your house the last time, they grabbed me, asked me all these questions, kept me all night. And I'm coming back to tell you, so he came back at great risk to himself with a house under surveillance, or possibly under surveillance, to warn me that we were under, uh, that something might be happening, something was up. So that night, this is the day before we got grabbed, I stayed up the entire night. I built everything I had into seven or eight suitcases I sent Robert and Sally the next morning to the big hotels. Put all the suitcases and the left luggage at the hotels. Brilliant. So the all, all, at the only remnants we had left were the luggage tags, which Robert ate, I think, when he was at the police. <laughs> <laughs> but so Jeez. they look all around the house, and they're they're really disappointed, and they pull out this paper. Much to my surprise, it says the premises have been searched and there no contraband was found and we're returning your passport. And I'm like, wow. And uh, then they're my now they're my best friends they see the stereo i have of course everybody had a portable stereo system or something like that or some kind of cassette player i gave him my cassette player we walked back into the police station and uh <laughs> sally and robert and we're now we're arm in arm like best friends <laughs> and sally and robert are like wow this is it they and they just let us go and Jeez. then we threw everything onto top of a taxi went down to uh, Bombay and continued the saga, turned all those suitcases into uh, false bottom suitcases and sent out, um, I think, maybe three runners at that point. And that's what we did uh, for about the next six months until we could go until they opened up the border and we went back for our van, which is a, a mega... We didn't have enough time for that story, but... <laughs>
0: Well, that's going to be part three yeah, can you yeah. imagine the shit's going on i mean and but the flow of people is staggering when you really think about it so,
2: so well let's hear your your side of the hippie trail because i talked about the overland but there were people who came who didn't uh go overland that came in and just flew in to see the gurus
0: so to this so the big places were kulu people go up and kulu had you know the best hash and goa you know a tremendous uh, scene in goa around um uh, pe- you know dealers and movers and shakers and people you know
2: well and just and just psychedelic psychedelic hippies. yeah it yeah, wasn't whole thing. i, I have, mean look,
0: so i've never no been. i
2: was going to say uh that actually when we were in goa there was in anjuna there was nothing there was nothing not there was one coffee shop then it turned into uh full moon parties uh trance music and then yeah. all that stuff ended up going all around the world yeah. from there yeah. uh, it became like a very big part of the music scene
0: so when you say what did you those are two places i have never been to which is i mean you know for somebody who goes to india as much as i do it's almost unimaginable, and why? <laughs> because I was a, on that other thread. You know, I'm. I'm. I want to turn you on to this book. Actually, uh, it's called "The Spiritual Odyssey of Frida Betty." Frida. Frida Betty. She was a famous English woman who went he, a, married a, an Indian man and went and lived in India, and then became through. I mean, was part of. Uh, the anti-British thing, she actually was uh, did a lot of different social service, the amazing, amazing woman that eventually became one of the closest people. And forget that she was, A, Westerner, and B, a woman in that whole Tibetan culture thing, to His Holiness, uh, the 16th Karmapa. Oh. And this is the story... And we'll put this in the show notes. By the way, and I forgot to do this before. When we were talking about the Summer of Love in 67, and we talked about you know that beautiful uh, paragraph that uh, Danny wrote uh, about what hippies, how how it happened and how they came together. Well, Danny wrote a book around 1967, and, and you, uh, all you people out there that help out with these podcasts, you're going to remind what the name of that book is sorry Danny uh but I think Summer of Love or just 1967 I I uh, he probably had a way catcher name and I can't think of. It. but a fantastic book for anybody who wants to know what happened in that era in that year which was instrumental and, and, for so and much
2: that paragraph is indicative of I, I looked at that and I thought you know that's good writing yeah just no, that, that you read
0: yeah, Danny's great. Yeah.
2: So great if, that's the, if the rest of the book is like that.
0: So that's a recommendation in the midst of uh, in Mittendrin, <laughs> as they say, in Yiddish, and now the spiritual odyssey of Frida Betty. And uh, so there's one thing in here which basically explains it. We could just substitute Karmapa with uh, Neem Karoli Baba. Uh, and uh, the author says Rumtek, which is was in Sikkim, is in Sikkim. It is where the main um, a monastery of His Holiness Karmapa is. Rumtek was on the hippie trail. I just read this, I swear, two <laughs> nights ago. I'm reading this book and then this. and uh, Spiritual seekers were arriving hungry for the Dharma, searching for cosmic consciousness, a new generation whose doors of perception had been opened chemically. <laughs> <laughs> they listened with intuitive understanding and were receptive to blessings and meditation. Okay. The Karmapa had lived 16 lives as the head of a sect and reached the illumination of a Buddha. He has chosen to come back time and again to teach his students and liberate all beings from the suffering of this world. And uh, many, 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 many times I have mentioned 16th Karmapa because when people say, did you ever meet anyone aside from Neem Karoli Baba that was of that, uh, a Siddha, you know, a being that no longer has any uh, subject object thing going on, And it was 16th Karmapa, who I did had darshan of one day in Los Angeles at a black hat ceremony. And once I found that, and of course I found it, I mean, I was, you know, experimenting with psychedelics before I went to India. I I was uh, having fun because I had gone to Israel and gotten into hash. So, and I was, you know, had some friends ship me some hash back. Uh-huh. a little different than the hippie trail was my father going down and I, I was in Africa and he he went and picked up some present that my friend had sent me from Turkey. And I, <laughs> I get home from Africa after I'd been in Israel with this guy and my father said, oh, you're like going to pick something up from customs for you. <laughs> I said, oh, really? Well, <laughs> You look in your bedroom. And I went in the bedroom and it was like a half a dozen horse hair pillows. I'm going... Mm. Wow. Who? And then it dawned on me, my friend Robert, my friend, I also had a friend Robert, From he went to Turkey, said, yeah, just give me your address. I'll send it to you. Because I said, I heard they have great hash there. And sure enough, I opened them up. The best hash I've ever smoked from that day to this day. It was oh. phenomenal. And and then the next thing I knew, I was in my college, at, in the lunchroom, <laughs> selling hash. <laughs> and that was my whole... <laughs>
2: So oh well, that that's a- you know. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of the issue that so many people. Uh, I don't know if you want to backtrack to that, but the people, what they said about the hippie era—that it people didn't really put it into effect. They sold out. Let's say that they By- sold out oh and, no and,
0: it was so much camaraderie yes we were you know i liked the fact that i suddenly had a bunch of money because i had nothing but it was the camaraderie and and i love turning people on to something that i liked that was part yeah. of it too i mean yeah, yeah you know i mean we hadn't got yes we got a little more jaded later on but in the, in that moment but but more to the point about the uh, you know t- saying you know my journey was on the of the hippie trail was certainly directly on the seeker side yeah seeker side and once I guess because I got like accepted aside from Neem Karoli Baba which uh, we've talked about so much and, and of course everybody out there you listen to all these wonderful podcasts with Ram Dass, uh that I introduce that there was one other aspect that coming from where I came from, you know, we talked about, I mean, I was, I was rebelling. I was rebelling the whole time I was in school and then finally, you know, with music and Dylan and all that doors opened up and then, uh, and and then ethnogens and so on. But it was a stifling atmosphere. And then suddenly there I am in India in the foothills of the Himalayas and I'm being treated like family. I so once I uh, honestly, when I got that family kind of hookup with so many Indian people that were devotees of, of Maharaji, Neem Karoli Baba, I never wanted to go anywhere from that moment on. And I never have. And I keep going back to that same family. That's
2: why so that's why you didn't travel around and go to Goa and Kashmir and the the, the high high spots. You were already found your home. Yeah. So you bother. Yeah,
0: Home is is the word. Absolutely, you know, found the yeah. home, and now many many people have found that same home without having either being in front of Ninkaroli Baba or or going over to India and, and being welcomed the way that we were welcomed. Uh, and I'm here. I hear about these things every day now because of the Love Serve Remember Foundation. People writing and talking, telling their story and so on, and uh, that home. Is absolutely be here now.
2: It's here and now. Yeah. It's that presence. Yeah. And well, uh, talk talk about a legacy hmm. that be here now. Because I have to say, I have studied some pretty Esso, I was, I am a serious student uh, of consciousness, and have studied uh, both the path of the heart and Zokten. And, and, and I have to say, it really comes down to, to be here now. In the end, after after it all you know that's that's what i would say yeah
0: yeah no absolutely and it's the it's the major antidote to what i've been talking about on other podcasts which is that uh, the tremendous way in which we're obsessed with ourselves and our thoughts and our minds and our and not being here now so uh, yeah that that uh that's the reality of that, I mean, it obviously you who have studied uh, zokchen, which were you, give us a definition right away of zokchen. By the way,
2: oh well, zokchen it's it's pinnacle Tibetan teaching, uh, which is called the the great perfection. But it's a non dual teaching, basically. It's a non dual teaching, uh, like Advaita Vedanta, which is the Hindu non dual teaching, meaning that there's, it's not so much in on the path, teaching the various stages of the path. It's more the the experience, which is what you're on the path for. So that it's really like sort of starting at the top. Okay, so starting at the top is great, except most people are not ready to start at the top. So if you're not ready to start at the top, they do have a gradual path as well. But the gradual path is more of, uh, creating experiences. So there's many ways. So one experience is like being startled. And in that moment of being startled, you experience what that emptiness is. So it's 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 sort of a different approach to, to getting to the same place. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a path that I related to because it goes right to the essence uh, of what we're looking for. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh... I do know, um, cause I've talked a lot with Lama Surya Das and, and of course that's his path. Uh, and, and he does manage to elucidate it in a way that can be, have some effectiveness. So you're not feeling like you just started, oh my God. Okay. You know, cause non-dual thing is, you know, is very yeah. difficult, very, very difficult. Uh, but, uh, I, the level of, I mean, I'm taking him as a good example. You guys out there, he has a podcast, uh, um, Awakening Now, Lama Surya Das, on Be Here Now Network. So do check him out. I mean, he's fantastic. And one of the reasons he's so fantastic is his level, well, first of all, he did a couple of three-year, three-month, three-day uh, meditation retreats. In, put some in time France. in. He put his time in. Um, and But his... He has had, and I told him this, and I did a podcast with him not long ago. I said, you are the most graced person I have ever oh, met. Oh, I heard did that. Did you hear that? <laughs> I
2: heard that. Talking about one one amazing Being teacher after, after another. another. It's, he he yeah. has and, been with with the dinosaurs, I call them, the lit, living legends yeah. who were kind of almost the last. Uh, I yeah. mean, we hope not but a yeah, real yeah. authentic, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. From uh, Karmapa, root guru, uh, to Kensi Rinpoche uh, and, and and many others, uh, uh, and including, before he met any of them, his root, root guru, maybe. <laughs> root, root, root is uh, Neem Baba <laughs> Maharaji, and yeah. he has that great story about his first meeting with Maharaji. He met the big Maharaji, that which has nothing to do with... Uh, it being encased in a physical body. fleshy body yeah no, it's fantastic uh, it's in the book love everyone everybody that book <laughs> uh, yeah
2: another uh, little promotional another, spot yes right
0: <laughs> but i want to just like circle this whole thing back to uh just around the importance of what uh was represented by this gigantic transformation that happened in the 50s in the well 60s basically 60s and early 70s and what uh i, I do believe what i thought before is correct that um the part that wasn't made into a cynical mess you know ah we did that we had, were just a good time and drugs and free sex blah, blah blah i wouldn't let my kid out there doing that shit now boy uh, you know, that kind of thing. Aside, aside from that level of cynicism by um, baby boomers, uh, the, to me, the ones that have taken that experience and are, uh, are devoting themselves to a transformation that is basically around cultivating peace, love, and compassion... And and my stars are, on this are obviously the likes of Sharon. I mean Sharon Salzberg comes to mind most especially, who makes this. Uh, and her thing is loving kindness, meta, the meta. Yeah. And and boy, we just need a whole pile more of meta. Yeah. In a, in the situation you we are in now, and looking back at at the hippie credo, uh, and seeing, I think you said early in the in the podcast that. That what we live now really has, and you know, the there's a major influence. I mean, the baby boomer generation is huge. And yeah. there's been, you know, many influences from that generation. Um, some of them right at the top of the heap now, not very good. Uh, but many of them um, are are have transformed that credo into a substantial, practice uh, and i don't just mean meditative practice i mean practicing in the world so that we have some chance at cutting through the polarization that's going on right now so i think you're really right that that started back then
2: yeah and and so many of the things that are that we need to continue on and build on like the environmentalism I mean, all these things started with Earth days and stuff like that. It was some of the first time that people were started to think about the environment, which to me is the the big. Uh, what well, one of the big issues we just have to deal with. It's so, so important now. But yeah, so much of it started in that in that generation, in the arts and music and. and just in basically every realm and i think it's kind of the point of this podcast it really isn't acknowledged uh where it should be i think mm-hmm.
0: yeah so uh back to this book uh, you know we're getting at the close here but uh frida betty uh i just want to read one thing that that she said uh, you guys i mean this michael you will love this book jadu absolutely i'm, I'm getting it yeah <laughs> We are all old warriors who have lived many lifetimes. We have inhabited the world of animals, fighting and quarreling, living only for the moment. We have passed into the state of hell beings and that of the hungry ghosts, suffering unremitting pangs of remorse. We have lived in the higher states, st- states of the gods, suffused in happiness. But this joy has been impermanent, always We have been forced to take rebirth again and again. In this life, we have found a precious human body and a mind capable of receiving the Buddha's teachings. Precepts held create wholesome karma. They are the foundation of holistic living. They create a unity within the personality. We are no longer in conflict with the self. A calm mind. Naturally arises. I think that's what zokchen really is, right? A calm
2: mind naturally arises. Exactly. Yeah. It is. It's. It's the natural, the natural path. Yeah. yeah. And the to, natural state.
0: And to get there takes work. All of us. Uh, it, it's called practice makes perfect. And so whatever it is, in mindfulness area, or meditation area, chant area, devotional area. Oh, by the way, that's what I meant about Surya Das. He's uh, the grace of all these beings that he studied with is 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 just extraordinary and his uh, and his knowledge of the zokchen path in particular uh and uh it's his devotion
2: to his, his teachers yeah and
0: you know i think that's a that's a
2: and you know that's big, big it's part. funny that and it's funny because you know the big knock is like oh there's like hindu uh, devotion, and the Buddhist path is yeah. kind of a little colder and stuff, but when you see the devotion that people have for their teachers, their yeah. you know, gurus, their lamas, it's the same.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's the same. It's absolutely the same. And it's funny because they won't call them, most of them don't call them guru, they t- call right. them teacher. Yeah, right. it's all about language. We don't, I mean, all this stuff. is like, Jesus, God, don't talk about God. I did a whole... Uh, we do these retreats in uh, Ohi, and I was looking for some material because we center around uh, actually Ramdas immersion retreats, and I found Ramdas uh, at Naropa, at the opening of Naropa with Trungpa Rinpoche from nineteen seventy four. He gave a talk, uh, a series of talks, like for ten days or t- more, around the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, ah. and one of them was around the um, what What is Brahman, Brahman? Which is God, but the I loved it because I had no baggage with that word. So, and then you know the way that they the investigation that happened uh, in this particular exposition from Ramdas around Brahman was so much easier to digest. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> uh, we're gonna put that out soon on on Ramdas.org. But so.
2: but you mean because when when the, the Word God comes up, there's so many associations. And, and of course, in the Buddhist world, it's, you know, the whole thing. That's the the separation. Well,
0: I could say the same thing about Buddha mind. Okay, what Buddha mind? I don't know Buddha mind. Okay, so clear, uh, true nature. I can kind of get around in there a little bit. (laughs) Like,
2: Like you said, language.
0: Yeah, yeah, language, eh? So important. Hey, thanks for being here, man. I really oh, love my hanging pleasure. with you.
2: And uh, uh, almost new, Happy New Year. No,
0: no, it Double is Happy day. New Year because <laughs>
2: this will go out. Uh, all yeah. right, oh, right. You ruined right. the surprise. God oh, darn. sorry. Uh, well, all right, I had one thing to tell you. It's yes. a real surprise. I've been tripping this whole time. Oh. I'm
0: only kidding. Oh. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was just going to say. And you left me out. I mean, you could, we could organize this. I mean, that's an interesting idea. Uh, we'll see. And I, so we end this with, uh, we got to play a little of Elvis Costello. What's so funny Absolutely. about peace, love, and understanding? Okay, uh, and that's that's my New Year's message, or it's going to be our New Year's message. There's nothing funny it's beautiful and we shouldn't be so damn cynical you shouldn't be okay <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm there with you
0: <laughs> uh, all right great to see everybody okay, go, ma- to be, go, with you. be here now network mind rolling you will have all of the different uh, books and everything else we've been talking about links and all that will be there and uh, Jadu's uh, movie, The Hippie Trail, we're going to have to wait for that. But, uh, but uh, that gives you uh, an idea. Meditation
2: mentoring, of... if someone's interested in meditation mentoring from somebody who's had such a wild past. <laughs> yeah. Do you want uh, to get mentored
0: mental. by a scammer? <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: know, you know what? If you want to have somebody was talking about a girl who's 22 years old and they said she's a life coach. And I said, wait a second, you have to have had a life right, to be yeah, a 22. <laughs> yeah, so this yeah. is a life. <laughs> oh okay, and we'll have
0: a link for uh, Michael's site. Absolutely. Thank you again. Okay. Talk later. Ramadan. All
2: right. Very good. <laughs> Bye.